So it is day one of Advent, and it's also uh, fun because we're wrapping up slash beginning. We're wrapping up the previous sermon series that we've been on, the joy of giving that led us into Thanksgiving, and at the same time, we're kicking off the new Advent series as well. And so, without further ado, let's welcome Charles. Woo! You guys have good turkey. I like Thanksgiving. Chicken, yeah, there you go. I like Thanksgiving. You guys like Thanksgiving? And it's one of my favorite holidays because it celebrates gratitude. And if you're going to celebrate something, I just feel like that's a good thing to celebrate, right? Gratitude is a wonderful thing. Research tells us that gratitude leads to more happiness, more success, even longer life. So that's a really good thing. And the Bible tells us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's a very powerful statement, right? We are called and commanded to give thanks in all circumstances. So it must be very important. It's a good holiday. Gratitude is a good thing. We all agree, yes? The only problem with gratitude how do you give thanks in all circumstances? And how do you be thankful when bad things happen? How is that possible? Right? I mean, in settings like this, in churches, we pastors like to say, yeah, bad things happen, but God is still on the throne. God is still in control. So we have faith, we turn to God, we trust God, that it will work out, and we still give thanks. And I agree. I am one of those pastors. But can we agree on another thing? The bad things happen to good people. Good people can get cancer. Good people can get fired. Accidents can happen to good people. All the time. All around us. Are we agreed on this? Then how do we deal with that? How can we be thankful when bad things happen to good people? That's really hard. And I'm going to propose today that this ability to rejoice always and have unwavering gratitude is only possible in new covenant mindset. It's not possible with old covenant mindset. We are studying a new sermon series today to coincide with Advent. Because Advent means coming of Jesus. And coming of Jesus means coming of the new covenant reality. We all know that, right? Jesus established new covenant. So we're starting a new series, Advent, new covenant mindset. And we're going to talk about different things within that mindset. And today we're going to talk about gratitude in new covenant mindset. Because we just had Thanksgiving. And it's just uh, such a wonderful thing, gratitude. And I'm going to suggest to you, propose to you, that gratitude, unwavering gratitude is only possible in new covenant mindset. It's not possible with old covenant mindset. Because in the old covenant mindset, the deal with the old covenant in a nutshell is that there you obey, you learn and obey God's ways. There's a slide for this in a picture form. So that circle represents God's ways and God's laws. 
And if you know those laws well and follow it, you are in. Then God will bless you. That's the deal. Follow God's ways and God will bless you. Get it? That's in a nutshell, old covenant. So, if that's the mindset, then our task in life or faith is to know those boundaries well. What are God's laws? And you do your best to follow them. And you stay inside the circle. Then God's blessing will come to you. So, how do we interpret things that happen to us in that frame of mind? When good things happen, we interpret those good fortune as God's blessings. And God's blessing us because we are in the circle. We are good people. We believe the right things. We go to church. We give money to good causes. We don't hurt people. We follow God's laws. And so God has blessed us. And so we can be really thankful to God's faithfulness. He's keeping up his end of the bargain. He's blessing us. And we can rejoice that we are righteous. We're doing well. We have standing before God. Everything's hunky-dory, right? Only problem is, what do you do when bad things happen? We just all agreed that bad things happen to good people. Quite often, I think. So, And how do we interpret in that frame of mind when bad things happen? There's really only two options. One is, if you believe... You've been a good boy and a good girl. You know, you, you've done your job. You, you follow God's ways. You've done what pastors have told you to do. You go to church. You've done, you believe you're in the circle and yet bad things happen. You're not feeling blessed. One option is to say, ah, get angry at God. God is not keeping up his end of the bargain. I am doing what I'm supposed to do. And God is not blessing me. And so you can get angry at God. You can get bitter. You can get cynical. You can shake your fist at God and just leave faith. This is all bunk. This doesn't work. That's one option. But what if we don't want to do that? What if we still have faith? What if we still want to go with God because that way lies darkness? We still trust in God. Then what's the option? In that mindset, then the only option then is to say, oh, we must have gone outside the circle somehow. We have sinned. You know, we are being punished. Or at least God is letting bad things happen to us because we have sinned. We deserve this. This is what Job's friends tell Job when bad things happen to Job. The whole book really is about this argument back and forth. Job's friends come because all these disasters happen to Job And they say to him, well, you must have sinned. Disaster after disaster has happened to you. You must have gone astray somewhere. And Job argues back. He pushes back. He says, I've been good. I've done everything right. I'm a better good person than you. You know? I, this is not right. I've done, you know, where is justice and all this? I've, I've been, I've done. And really the most of the book is Job arguing with his friends that 
is a good person. And Job's friends keep pushing. You must have sinned. And they, in the end, they say, well, all flesh is guilty. All human beings mess up at some point. Nobody's perfect. Can we agree on that? We all mess up. So, you know, God is justified in punishing you. Because you, you messed up. You're a human being. You, you're not perfect. You must have sinned. Well, if that's the case, then if none of us can ever stay in and keep our end of the bargain and God is justified in punishing us at any time, then, I mean, what good is this deal? Right? I mean, we can't ever do it. If God, right? That's a big problem. So God gets angry at Job's friends, not at Job. God gets very angry. God said, that is not the right way to think about me and faith. This is not the way it works. So old covenant way of thinking, that's a problem. There's a big problem. The whole thing collapses. That cannot be the foundation of faith. But even setting that aside, the problem that none of us can really hold up our end of the bargain, that none of us can fit in the circle or stay in the circle. That's a big problem. But even setting that aside, this is the scandal of the cross. The Bible calls the cross scandalon, the scandal of the cross, just unacceptable scandal. And that is, Jesus is the one perfect human being. He has followed and obeyed God's ways perfectly. Can we agree on this? He is in that circle. There is no dispute. And he is crucified on the cross, on a tree, which in the Bible times meant cursed by God. And that's what we say, we Christians. We say Jesus took the curse and the punishment by God. So the one perfect human being who held up his end of the bargain gets cursed and punished by God himself. Do you see how that blows up the old covenant on God's side as well as the human side? It is completely destroyed. It's done with, abolished, doesn't work anymore. Yes? You see that? That it's completely destroyed. Now, we Christians, we believe this. But this is not easy to do. This is not very popular. Our mind loves to draw lines and divide people. Human mind loves to do that. Even as a child, just think back to your junior high days. Just how many lines, you know, who's in, who's out, who are the cool kids, who's not. I mean, we just love drawing lines. That's very hard to do. We still cling to the old covenant mindset. The religious people like to draw lines around righteousness, the good and the bad. And the secular people like to draw lines around things like power and money and fame and status, who's in and who's out. This is not very popular, folks this way of thinking. 
The whole world goes another way. The old covenant kind of way. This is why the Bible tells us when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. The Jews are the people of the old covenant faith. They're offended to high heavens. It can, the cross, Christ crucified cannot be more offensive to the religious mind. Because what we are saying is a scandal. The, you do perfect righteousness religion and you get punished by God. Of course it's offensive. It, it blows up your whole basis. And to the Gentiles, the secular culture, it's nonsense because Christ had all the power, all the status, all the coolness of God, and he's still crucified. And so that just sounds like complete nonsense. Why would anyone do that? How can anyone do this? Because if you have power, then you're good. Your life gets blessed. You have money, you have power, then that's how good things come your way. Well, it just sounds like complete nonsense to say the one person who has all the power and all the status is cursed to no end, (laughs) right? So it's the scandal. It offends everyone. It offends everyone out there. It's nonsense to everyone out there. Not very popular. But those of us who believe in Jesus were trying to follow Jesus. This is what we are called to. The Bible tells us to transform our minds. That we have to have a different mindset from the Jews and the Gentiles. A new covenant mindset. And in the new frame of thinking, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered this way, I tell you? No. Uh, He's saying, it's not because these people have sinned that they have suffered worse. It's not because somebody deserves to be punished. That they get punished. God sends good things and bad things. Sun and the rain. Both to the evil and the good. We are where we are. This is how God has made reality and this world. That's just the way it is. Like we said, bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to bad people. Can we agree on that? To say anything otherwise seems to me like crazy talk. You'd have to be crazy to think, oh no, only good things happen to good people. You just left reality. You know? God did not make it that way. God did not make this world robotic, black and white. If you're good, only good things happen. That's not the way he did it. He's still on the throne. But that's not how it is. We are where we are. But God has not left us as orphans either. In the new covenant... He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and soul. In the new covenant, he has bound himself to do you good, whether you deserve it or not. 
If you just turn to him, if you just believe, he will help you, which is all it takes. He will be good to you. He will delight in doing good to you. This is the, in a pictorial form, this is what we say. If you just turn to him. We are where we are. There is no lines where if you're in the line, God will bless you. We are where we are. If we just turn to him, God will help you. He will delight in doing good to you. No questions asked. Amen? Regardless of merit. Regardless of merit. Because it's not about whether you and I deserve God's help. It is not about Jesus and his cross. It's the scandal of the cross. He's taken all that blame and sin, all that away. And so, no matter where we are, God just wants to bless us and help us and be good to you. And that's good news, don't you think? In the new covenant mindset, God is only good news. Merit doesn't count. To any and every one of you, you could be an evil person through and through. God will still be your friend. God will still come alongside you and try to help you. Some of that would probably involve him trying to help you move towards a better way of living. But from kind heart, from gentle heart, as a friend trying to help you as opposed to, ah, I condemn you. Do you see the difference? He is only good news and always good news, and that's something we can be grateful for at all times. Even when bad things are happening, we know God is at our side as a friend. He will help you. He will hold your hand and He will bring you to a better place. That's something we can be grateful for at any time. Amen? I mean, isn't that true? When you have a friend to walk you through when you are in trouble, that's so nice. You can be grateful for that. And you will always have that. And that's what, that's something you can be grateful for at all times. And this means bad circumstances, bad fortune does not mean that you have sinned. That's just adding insult to injury, isn't it? Like you're suffering and on top of that, you're just beating yourself up. I have sinned. Makes everything so much worse. Very hard to rejoice and be grateful under that mindset, isn't it? So that's why we need to develop new covenant mindset. Because to the extent you can transform your mind towards this is the extent to which you will have more joy and gratitude in your life. And don't you want more joy? Don't you want to have more gratitude? It's a good thing for all of us. So let me throw out some practical suggestions on on living this way, on, on working on changing your mind, because it's not easy. We just revert back to the old covenant ways of thinking so easily. So let me throw out some suggestions, spiritual discipline, things to do to move forward in this way of new covenant faith. All right? Okay, the first suggestion I have is when you get angry and frustrated because frustrating things happen all the time, don't they? When they happen, don't get angry at God or look for someone to blame. Now, I do this all the time. When something bad happens, 
One of my first instincts is to get angry at God. I go, God, how could you let this happen to me? I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. You guys don't look so convinced. Eh? <laughs> you guys look quite skeptical when I said I'm a good person. <laughs> don't you think I'm a good person? You don't sound very convinced. Come on. I'm a good person? Okay, that's better. I need some assurance. Right? I'm a good person. God, how could you let this happen to me? Come on, I don't deserve this. Why? Why me? Does that sound familiar to any of you? Do you do that? Come on, confess. It's good for the soul to confess. Come on. <laughs> do you, yes, good. Right? We get angry at God. That's only pushing away someone who is our friend, who will help us. That doesn't, it's not about whether I deserve it or not. Reality is reality. Bad things just happen. And wherever we find ourselves, we have to think about what's going to help us move forward. And God will help us move forward. It's a waste of time to get angry at God. Worse than that, it puts us into old covenant thinking traps us. It traps us into this blame mode. I look for someone to blame when something bad happens. That's, I am so good at finding things to blame. For some reason, it's just very comforting, isn't it? To find something or someone to blame. It gives us control. Most often, in the end, it comes back to me. And I blame myself. Even if I say, oh, that, that, that bad person, that's the person to blame. And then the next thought is, well, it's my fault. I trusted him. It comes back. And it just drives out any sense of joy and gratitude from my life. Jesus did away with all blame and guilt and shame on the cross. Are we agreed? That's what we mean when we say we follow Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we believe in the cross. As New Covenant Christians, we cannot traffic in blame. Not allowed. It's done away with. Because it just puts us back into old covenant ways. Those ways killed Jesus. And Jesus killed it. There's this mutual murderous hostility between Old Covenant and Jesus. They do not mix. Yes? We cannot do this and follow Jesus. So we have to root that out. If we can do this, it will bring so much joy and gratitude into your soul, it's not even funny. Can you just imagine if you just stop blaming yourself And people in your life, I mean, we spend so much energy and psychological angst on blame, don't we? Can you imagine if that's just all gone, how much room there would be for joy and gratitude? It would be awesome. So work on that. Ask Jesus to come to you. Ask the cross to come to you and just break your habit. 
Let's do this. Do that together. Sounds good. All right. Second suggestion is to treat God as your friend, not someone to manipulate or bargain with. That's another thing I do. Very. I mean, maybe it's the second fastest thing I do. After I get angry at God, I try to bargain with God. Does that sound familiar? You know, something bad happens and you just go, God, if you will just remove this scourge from me, I'll be good. I'll do even more for you. I will come to church. I will give. I will do even more for you. Can you just make this happen? I mean, I've... Let's be honest. We do this, right? I'm not the only one. I've heard many people talk about and think in this way. Many people who say things like, Oh God, if you just find me a great date, I'll bring him to church. (laughs) And we'll do this together. We'll serve God together. Right? Oh, come on. You're all guilty of this, right? Well, that's just old covenant way, isn't it? I will get in the circle. I will do this. It, it just brings more anxiety than anything else. Because if it doesn't work, you, you get angry at God and you just are like, well, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, don't you want me to do more for you? And you just get angry at God and you're frustrated. And, and even if it does work, and something good happens to you, then you start worrying, well, you know, I got to keep up my end of the bargain then. And, you know, what else am I not doing good enough? And, you know, if something else happens, then you just start going, well, you know, I got to make even bigger bargains. You know, how many boyfriends can you bring to church? (laughs) At some point, you run out. Problem, yes? Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. We're friends of God. Servants try to manipulate and bargain with their masters. But friends, we already trust that our friend has our best interest at heart. Otherwise, they're not your friends. If you have to bargain and say, you know, you have to be good to me. I will, be, I will do this for you if you will be good to me. They're not your friends anymore. They're a vendor. It's a customer transaction. God has said, I will make a new covenant, an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and soul. He's already bound himself to do you good. You don't need to convince him because Jesus convinced him. You know, it's over and done with. He's already got your best interest at heart and is out to do you good. To trust, to believe anything otherwise would be offensive. That's not friendship. Agreed? Makes sense, right? So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's just trust God is already out to do us good. That will bring joy and gratitude. This is New Covenant mindset. And I love that mindset. I I, I just think about that and I think, oh, that's just so much more healthy. With God at least, you know. 
I mean, on the other way of thinking just feels crazy. I think it would drive, it just drives me crazy with guilt and shame and am I doing enough and just, I mean, this new covenant mindset strikes me as a sane and healthy and it just feels like a foundation for life. That you can build your life on that. That it's strong enough to hold you through good things and bad things for the rest of your life. It just seems like a very powerful mindset to me. Seems good. But I have to tell you, it's just really hard. It's just so hard. I just slip right back into old covenant mindset. Either through righteousness or through power. And money and stuff like that, I love to draw boundaries. I love to blame. I love to traffic in guilt and shame in or out. It just happens. Every morning I wake up and I'm just back to their mindset. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I have a confession to make. All this stuff I'm preaching to you, I'm really preaching to myself. Really. I mean, I need you. So that I can preach this stuff. <laughs> so I can remind myself. You know. This way lies madness and death. This way lies life. You know. It's so hard. Because the whole world. Is either religious. Or secular. Or some weird mixture of both. Of power and good. And it's all about dividing people. It's so easy to fall back into it. I just love you guys because I need you. I need this church community. That's why the Bible says don't neglect to meet together. Because if you do, you will just slip back into the easy way of thinking. You have to remind each other what is the new covenant mindset. This is why Jesus said where you are gathered, I am there with you. Can't do this alone. We just by ourselves, left to our own thoughts, we just slide right back. So my final suggestion is to invest in new covenant community like the river. We're not the only community that believes this. But it is not common. And you have to invest and get involved and interact with each other and get to know each other and remind each other all the time to not go down the old covenant way. That way lies madness. We need each other. We need this church. So that's the appeal I like to make as we wrap up this season and and, and start the season of Advent. To say, come on, step up. Let's be part of this church to make it happen. Because it's not easy to find a community like this. Religious communities, even churches... Love to draw lines. In fact, that's the bread and butter. To draw lines and say, we are righteous people of faith. And they are out there, therefore come. That's the bread and butter of all religion. So even in churches, that is very common. It's not easy to find something like this. Because it's not popular. You know, people don't like this stuff. Even if people say they believe it, you know, there comes a point. 
You know, you say you believe it, but there comes a point where you say, oh, that's not a line I can cross. Unrelenting and unwavering commitment to Jesus and the cross is not easy to do. It's offensive. A lot of people, even in this church, we have paid a price for committing without compromise to this new covenant way of thinking. I mean, many have left. I mean, many have left for legitimate reasons like jobs and stuff like that. But many have also left offended. Because at some point, they feel like lying got crossed. You know, they will go, yeah, 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 I you know, crossed, new covenant, that sounded all good, but what? <laughs> I can't go with that. But we cannot compromise. As soon as we draw one line, it's over. You are you, back in old covenant ways. We are un, unwavering, we have unwavering, unrelenting commitment to be welcoming to everyone with every background. Just turn to God. The only commitment and unwavering commitment we have is to Jesus and the cross. This is not easy. And so we are a lot smaller than we used to be for various reasons. And so for those of us who are left, who really believe this stuff and have found it life-giving, we need to step up to fill the gap. We're smaller. We need you. We need to make this church happen or we won't exist. And it's worth having. So I'm making an appeal to you. In this season of thanksgiving and giving and advent, join up, volunteer, go to weekly groups, give. We need money. Peter spoke last Sunday about brass tacks reality of what makes church run. I just loved, loved it that Peter is the one who spoke that, you know, who preached that sermon. It's hard for the senior pastor to do that, right? Peter is a board member, and he has that beautiful British accent. It just makes it sound so rational, right? Everything that comes out of his mouth, whatever comes out, it just makes like, yeah, that, that makes sense, you know? You just, I wish I had that accent. But anyway, he told us how, like, you know, we have $80,000 annual deficit. And we have 110000 left in the bank. That's not very comfortable. Some of you might ask, what happened to the relocation campaign? Yeah, we have like $2.1 million in the bank on relocation campaign. But we cannot touch that money except for relocation. So for our operating budget, that's not very comfortable. So if you are getting a big bonus this season, think of us. We need it. Okay? Let's step up and step in. Because this church is worth defending, having, encouraging one another. Because it's new covenant mindset. And it will give you joy and gratitude and sanity for years to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that this is the new reality you have ushered in. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you that we no longer live in old covenant ways. We are all valuable beyond measure. We are all in, quote unquote. 
You love us and delight in us no matter where we are, who we are. And you are only good news and always good news. That is wonderful. Be our friend, O God. Even this season, I pray that your blessings would rest on each and every one of us. Just because. That we will experience your love and your friendship. Regardless of merit. Transform our minds, O God. Into new covenant mindset. That we may experience life in all its fullness that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.